everyone is unique and therefore their journey will be unique. What is best for them will be unique. What they bring to the world will be unique. And actually, I think the minute that you can stop looking around you for the answers and just looking inside of you for the answers is the minute that you will begin to to find that fulfillment or happiness. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Welcome back to Messy and Magnificent. It's your gal, Carly, and I am having so much deep appreciation for you right now and the woman who joined me on today's episode, Farron Weiner. Now, maybe you've heard me talk in the past about how we have known for a while that we're leaving the information age. A lot of information and the systems for collecting it and sharing it have been created, and we've really begun to enter the creativity age. This is a time when companies and individuals are spending a lot of money to get creative problem-solving skills because we need solutions. And this was even before C-19. So talk about needing solutions. Now is definitely a time where we're ripe for problem solving around environmental issues, political issues, and certainly this virus. And this is why it's such a great time for women to step up and lead, because let's be honest, woman, you have had to be creating solutions for a long time. You've got a good skill set in figuring out how to make something work. So What's really interesting about, you know, creativity becoming such an essential part of the ways we run our businesses is that it requires us to think outside the box, right? We can't keep doing the things, the ways we've been doing them and expecting different results, of course. We've got to be able to step outside of what has been paved, the road that's been created for us, and begin to forge new roads. And as our guest today is going to tell us, there has never been a better time to be so fully yourself. And I'll speak just for myself here, but I know I never felt like I fit in to the typical corporate structure, right? Because I love working with companies and driven folks who have some success under their belt. And also, I love being barefoot in the grass and hanging out and have lots of time to breathe and be, right? And it never occurred to me until just a few years ago that There has never been a place that women within our economy can fit into because you know what? We are so much bigger than the roles that have been modeled for us. There has not been a box that was the right size for the fullness of what a woman brings to the table. And so we really are pioneers in creating our own spaces in the world. On this episode, we have Farron Weiner joining us. She is one of my new favorite people to be hanging out and talking with, and she's going to explain why emotional intelligence has surpassed intellectual intelligence as the most valuable professional assets in companies both small and large. And here's what you got to know about Farron, because she actually doesn't talk too much about her accolades. She is an experienced, award-winning brand marketer and operator that at her core 
prioritizes telling the stories, the true stories of her clients and their companies. So she's led marketing efforts for big organizations that you know of, like for Michael Kors or for Sweetgreen, which is one of my favorite places to grab food in the city. But she really seeks to understand at a core level how her customers think and feel and live. And from that place, she helps them craft their own unique storytelling skills. So I got to tell you, one thing that I'm fascinated about about Farron is her ability to be a chameleon. She is evolving at the same rate as our economy and as with the clients that she works with, meaning she has reinvented herself multiple times just as she helps her clients reinvent their brand and their identity to solve the challenges that they're brushing up against. Whether it's doing a small revamp or a totally comprehensive new growth plan, she makes sure that her clients draft brands that stand for something and stand apart. So her gift of coming here to be in conversation with us couldn't be any more timely as it's often, maybe you're in the same boat, a lot of people are asking questions about what they stand for right now and how can you stand apart from everybody else without having to be the one who does the most work? Because you know what? There's plenty of people who do the most work. Being the one who's the most rested or the most clear is one clear way to stand out. Now, Farron has all these accolades. She's on the Forbes 30 under 30. Create and Cultivate named her in the top 100 women. And Bumble listed her as on the list of the 100 most inspiring New Yorkers. But she had a big aha moment when she was working for other corporations, when she realized that she wasn't fulfilled. And all the energy that she was spending wanting her career and life to be different could be channeled into actually making the change she wanted. (laughs) She found it was actually a lot less energy to make the change than it was to sweat the fact that she wasn't living and working in the way she wanted. And what I appreciate about the stories she's about to share with us here is that she's not an overnight success. Farron is very transparent about how things have not come easy for her and that she really floundered for a bit when she left the safety net of the corporate environment she was in And so she explains in detail what allowed her to stay the course that her heart was called to do to go build her own seven-figure business when, as she calls the demons of her old career path, were just so tempting to come back to. So if you're ready to hear a woman who leverages both her intellect and her gut instinct to not just take a leap, but actually sustain it, then this is the episode for you. In fact, Farron is actually going to share with you the way she starts every client's branding journey, how she teaches them to get clear about their values, and you can do it for free all by yourself. So Farron, thank you so much for being here on Messy and Magnificent. I'm so happy to be here. I have been very much looking forward to this conversation and can't wait to dive in. It's mutual. Baron and I have had the pleasure of having a couple conversations recently, and we were just sharing before we started recording how there are these little pockets in our days, you know, where you have something on the calendar you really look forward to. And Farron, you said it beautifully about it's either going to be a productive moment or a meaningful moment. And I have a hunch we'll see that this is going to be both. (laughs) Every time I talk with you, I feel like it was meaningful and I walked away with something like a lesson learned or some some value. So I appreciate you. The feeling is mutual. For sure. 
So, you know, in your intro, we've shared some of the vast amount of experience and and skills that you have in the field of branding and some of your journey. But I'm curious, like from the get-go, why branding? Why were you called to this kind of work? Where did that begin? So it was really unintentional, actually. I started my career more on the creative side of the fence. And in fact, if I go back really early days, and I'm actually in Miami right now, which is where I'm from. And so I've been thinking a lot about my roots and where everything first began. I was generally actually always interested in like the artistic expression. I was into photography as a kid. I actually was a child actor and model, but don't hold that against me. I went to NYU Tisch School of the Arts and really just explored a ton of different mediums for what I ultimately figured out was storytelling. And it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s and an opportunity for me to transition from sort of the creative space into marketing came about that I actually realized marketing is storytelling or really brand building is storytelling. And that's what I really was doing all along without even knowing it. Once I had that epiphany that I really had a deep passion for telling stories, and I guess a talent or a skill for sharing them was when my career really began. And that's when the intentional piece sort of came in. But yeah, I like to say that really brand building ultimately is storytelling in a modern form. And so that's what I'm here to do. All right. So already, like mind blown, this is what I appreciate (laughs) about what you just shared is, so I work with a lot of people who they've had their own business for a number of years. They're doing well. They've got enough clients and it's time to either scale or reclaim their time. Like they did the hustle thing. It got them to where they are. And now they're kind of reevaluating and figuring out the next step. And often there's this conversation, of course, when it's time to scale about marketing, branding, getting clear. And I cannot tell you how often I just say the word marketing and people like roll their eyes or they want to throw up. <laughs> it's like, and these are people who have had a business for a while and maybe they haven't done anything formal. And when you talk about it really being about storytelling and about the sharing of our voice, I think that's such an important reframe. So when you and I have spoken before, about the unique way that Fahrenheit approaches marketing and branding, you talk about how important it is to get clear about our values. And we talk about that a lot here on Messy and Magnificent because mm-hmm. that's huge, right? If we know what we value, then we know what we can start saying no to so that we have more time. So can you help me fill in like that connection? What is the connection between knowing your values and the way you're, you're representing yourself in the world, either as an organization or, or as an individual? How do you guys make that connection? So many things to touch on there. So first, what I want to say is I think there's never been a better time to be authentically yourself, both as a brand and as a business and as an individual. And I think what we're recognizing or what we're seeing out in the world is that brands today are getting rewarded for being who they are. Authentic, messy, no sort of pun intended, I guess, but like... (laughs) And I think this goes for, in the most relevant example, even influencers, right? I think we could all probably think about someone we follow that we admire that takes us on the journey of who they are and their life is not perfect. They don't have all the answers. They make mistakes or they seek seize opportunities. And I think it is inherently that journey that hooks us. So that's the mm-hmm. first thing that I want to say is the world of perfect, very high glossy brands and marketing is sort of in the past. And social media has really been that platform, the storytelling platform that's allowed us to unlock that change. You're seeing it often in the accountability that customers are really begging of brands today. So that's the first thing. So like basically do you is sort of what I'm saying, you know? (laughs) I I think the second thing 
So Fahrenheit, which is my business, we're a year and a half old agency really built to support founders at their early stages of growth, helping them to unlock what does it mean to build my brand. And when I say unlock, what I mean is there's incredible agencies out there that you can tap for your website development or your creative or your PR and comms. But I felt like there was a gap in the market for a resource or a thought partner to really help you think critically, strategically, and really emotionally about that question. And inherently what you just said, which is how do my values connect to building my brand is an emotional question. And so what we talk a lot about at Fahrenheit is this freedom within a framework. And what I believe and what I uncovered through my own journey is that it is no different than your personal journey. What does that mean? Building a brand starts with laying a foundation of who you are, what you believe, and why you're here. And then how you want to show up in the world is the creative expression of that. So I think what values become is really the backbone of the choices that you make, no different than what you just said, which is the values in our life become the boundaries for us. And actually, what I really learned, talk about being real and authentic, what I really learned is that I have incredible boundaries with the brands that I build and not as strong boundaries in my personal life. And actually, part of that uncovering that was where I recognized that they're one in the same and that Uh. I have created such a discipline (laughs) around brands. Like I could tell you what is on brand or off brand for any of my clients in like one second. But it becomes more challenging sometimes for us as individuals. But I do think that values at the end of the day are the backbone for what your brand is built on. Marketing is the vehicle by which you bring that to life and share it with the world and the channels that you get your message out on. That, what you just said is so powerful because I see it as the kind of the two steps. You're starting with the internal process. And I love your analogy. Boundaries or boundaries, values are the backbone upon which you're making your decision, right? And that's a quiet thing. Like that can happen through your own reflection. And then that the marketing is the piece that actually comes after that when we begin to get vocal about it and begin to share that in the world. So I'm so curious for you. I mean, you were working with major brands. You're working with leading marketing teams for Michael Kors and for Sweet Green, which is like my favorite place to grab quick food when I'm in the city. So what caused you to make this shift as we talk about telling the story? Like, what's the story there that caused you to say, like, these are jobs that look great on paper. I mean, you know, you're Forbes 30 under 30. What causes you to say, hmm, I want to try launching my own Fahrenheit? Such an important question, because I feel like there are so many people that I have talked to who have asked me that because they're searching for clarity for themselves and For me, it was actually a very deeply personal question of am I fulfilled in what I'm doing every day? And am I not only happy today, but on a path towards happiness? And happiness can be defined in so many different ways for so many different people, which I feel like is a whole other episode for (laughs) us. That's a whole other, we can do that episode episode. next. (laughs) But I think to what you said, so I had started my career on the creative side of the fence. I transitioned into marketing under the Guilt Group umbrella. Um, It was one of the earliest companies doing flash sales. I was on the travel platform called jetsetter.com. I ended up going to Michael Kors, had an incredible experience leading marketing innovation there, and then over to Sweetgreen. These incredible, fast-paced, high-growth companies, world-class organizations, huge opportunities, and I was burnt out, exhausted, and had lost sight of really why I was there. What I did was really take a step back and start to look at my decisions through a filter. And in fact, 
it is no different, my filter, than a brand filter. Oh, tell me about that. Yeah, explain that. Right. So the filter for me, and I just want to put this out there, like this took me 10 years to uncover, but I hope that this can help some people who are listening do it in like 45 minutes. But for me, it was... (laughs) Okay, what are the similarities of my journey and what part of my experience did fuel me, did bring me joy, did make me happy, did challenge me in the ways that were impactful? And I recognized three things. The first was I loved working with founders and helping them build their brands and businesses and I, and really helping to tell their story. I loved being in fast-paced, high-growth environments, startup entrepreneurial energy, And I loved building brands that had a unique place in the world. And so I took that thinking and I said, if all those things are right, and those were similarities across all of my experiences, what was missing? And I think there was a freedom, a flexibility. There was a culture. There was also a functional piece that was missing. The work I was doing every day wasn't as in line with what I I think was making me fulfilled and bring me joy. And so ultimately, I decided to leave And I decided to take a pause and go out into the world and really look at the world of startups and technology and venture capital and talk to founders and really understand what was needed. And through the uncovering of what was needed, I recognized that I had a unique, what I call superpower, that I could bring to these founders in a way that did fulfill me and that did bring me joy. And what's really interesting was I was climbing this corporate ladder, to your point, getting so much external validation. Forbes 30 under 30 or an incredible new job opportunity. And it didn't make me happy. And so I think Mm -hmm. for me, there became a question where I said, does that matter? And it did. For me, that mattered. And by using my filter for decision-making, I was able to say, what is a non-negotiable for me? What am I uniquely positioned to do? And then the question was like, have the will to go out and do it, which I did. And that's actually how Fahrenheit was born. And I think that's a freedom within a framework right? In fact, that filter for decision-making became incredibly freeing because I knew what I was looking for. I knew what to say no to, and I knew what to say yes to. And I think for people out there who are listening, who are really thinking about how do I build my brand, I think a really good place to start is by saying like, what are my non-negotiables? What are my values? You can name them anything you want, but whatever that filter can become for you to say yes and to say no, and then march towards that target, you're going to be able to show up in the world as uniquely yourself and bring whatever value or value proposition you have to your audience in a really strong, I think, and special way. What stands out for me, one of the many things that stands out about what you just shared is we talk about a lot of us want to feel more freedom. We want to have more flexibility. We want to feel like we know that we're speaking the way we want in the world, showing up the way we want in the world, making our own schedules. And I think you're pointing out something really important here, which is that a little bit of structure is actually what allows that freedom to be possible. And I think about it like, you know, once upon a time when I would work with one client at a time and I'd be their their living coach, I remember having clients who might work themselves literally into the hospital. Like these were high achievers, right, who would work themselves into being checked into the hospital. Like their body was just so done, dangerously, you know, done. And they would talk about, well, I don't want to eat well, or I don't want to have to go to sleep. I want the freedom to do what I want. And we would, you know, it's like, okay, but you're not free at all once you're hooked up to an IV in a hospital. Like now all your freedom's gone. And just having these small check-in points about what are my non-negotiables? What is it that I value? We talk a lot about, you know, what gives me life and where is that? 
in my workday, you're pointing out something really important. It's not about being rigid, but it is about having some consistent check-in. And your point about what are my non-negotiables? You know, what really matters to me? What What is it that I stand for? So I'm curious if you're willing, because this is the most beautiful story, right, <laughs> of, of your transition. But like what on a pragmatic level was actually going through your head when you had to give notice and and take this leap like what was going through your mind when you were when you were feeling within yourself this call to make a change and this is a big change what was actually going through your head i was petrified i was truly petrified and in some ways you know i consider myself a risk taker like in my personal life i'm incredibly adventurous i like i've been skydiving 3 times like i've never had a <laughs> i've never been one to say no to like a leap But when it came to taking the leap to being an entrepreneur, it took me almost 15 years. And for some people, that might not be true to them. For me, it was. I was one of those people that for years dreamed of it and thought about it and kind of like dipped my toe in the water, but could never really get there. And finally, one day, I think I just said like, life is too short. And Mm. I'm driving myself somewhat crazy with the want instead of the doing right? The Uh, wanting. If I How much energy do we put into wanting things to be different than they are, right? Like how much energy is being expelled by the distance between where we are and where we want to be? Like right there. All those years of wanting or dreaming or thinking or complaining, honestly, if I had taken those hours and applied it to building a brand, I mean, who knows where I'd be by now. I think that the doing of anything requires like leverage, it's not enough to just want something. You have to actually get up in the morning and go do it. And I think like a really great example of this is like those of us who say like, I should work out more. Well, all you have to do is actually get up and put on your sneakers. And I am one of them. I don't consistently work out. It's like the last thing that I do on my list of to-dos every day. And I complain about it. But then once I actually start doing it, I recognize all it takes is putting on my shoes and walking outside for 10 minutes. I think the leverage that I had over myself was... I had really gotten to a place where I wasn't happy and I knew that wasn't serving my team, my customer, the company, my colleagues, or really myself. And that was something that really weighed heavily on me. The moment for me was in recognizing that I wasn't happy and I had everything around me. I thought I wanted an incredible job, an incredible team, massive opportunity, loyal customer base. I was in a really dream position as a marketer, but I wasn't fulfilled. And I recognized that my lack of fulfillment was deeply impacting my work. And it was having oh, an tell impact. Tell me about that. Right? Yeah. Tell me about that specifically. Like what, how does that show up? So when you're not feeling fulfilled, what's an example of how that shows up in your work or how that impacts your team? I believe deeply in passion and of showing up. Showing up is like being engaged, being present, caring. A boss once said to me many, many, many years ago, I will never forget this. I was in this like heated discussion in the early days of my career with a bunch of really senior people within one of my or- the organizations I worked for. And the CEO of the company looked at me on the way out of the room and said, Farron, not everyone cares as much as you do. And I will never forget that moment because I thought that is so unfortunate. And I also thought to myself, that will never be me. So I deeply care about the work I'm doing and about the customer I'm serving and about my team and my responsibility to my team. And so when I'm not showing up 100%, they might not notice it, but I do. And that wears on me. And I always felt like as a leader, 
transparency and authenticity, which are words we throw around a lot, but they're really important and they're important to myself. So when I was feeling like I wasn't authentically being myself within the organization and within my role, I felt like it was time for me to say goodbye, both for myself as a responsibility to myself, but also to my team and to my company. And so for me, I was petrified, but I ultimately took the leap knowing that I in the end would be fine. And then in the end, this would be one moment in my long journey and sort of this question of like, what's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen actually was I regretted my decision and I go get another job. But really the worst, worst that could happen is that I never tried Mm. and that I actually lived for the rest of my life even never going for or going after what I had been dreaming about all those years. I mean, what is a worse fate than that? So I think that was the leverage that in the moment I took, I got for myself that gave me the leap. And by the way, I want to say I failed for like a year. I completely foundered. <laughs> fa- fa- failed is a hard word, but I floundered. I left Sweetgreen, tried a bunch of things, worked on an early stage startup, had no clarity of what I wanted to do, but I just kept exploring. A friend of mine once said to me, the first step of becoming an entrepreneur is saying I'm an entrepreneur. And all those years of me like dreaming about doing it, I always remember this moment where he was like, the first step is saying, I want to build a company. I want to be an entrepreneur and waking up every day with that. The company will come. The idea will come. The product market fit will come if you're dedicated to it every day, which I 100% fundamentally believe to be true. Mm, So, you know, there's a word. So the Romans had this word, they called it precursive faith. And it was this idea of believing that something will work out even when we don't know how, which is very much in alignment with what the original definition of being an entrepreneur is like, right? So when the folks at Harvard Business School, you know, almost 100 years ago, were were developing their entrepreneurial department for the first time, they defined the entrepreneurial spirit as this ability to trust that things will work out even though we don't know how, which is something that's applicable to those of us who are, you know, on paper entrepreneurs, but also a spirit that we can all lean into, right? In this decisions of, I love your framework of, really? I know my mind is telling me all the terrible things that could happen if I follow this dream, but like what's actually realistic, the worst case scenario? Like what's really the, the realistic worst case scenario when I look at this? And when you look at it as, well, the worst case scenario is I probably come back to a similar job. Okay. (laughs) Like, okay. And I just, I appreciate your authenticity around. So I floundered for a while because I so deeply relate to that. It was like uh, when I knew I wanted to not be on the road anymore and I wanted to bring coaching from my home where I didn't have to travel with all my clients anymore. It was like figuring that out. I thought it would be easy. It was not for me. Like it Mm -hmm. was not for me. It really took a couple years of practice. And so just honoring that just because it doesn't happen overnight doesn't mean, you know, that it's not going to happen. Having women to talk to that can understand, you know, what I'm going through, especially the business part, I think that's really the big shift, having that tribe there. There's so much wisdom, collective wisdom that has come out of this group. I'm grateful for the opportunity that I've been given to be a part of this group. It's always helped me grow and to continue evolving as a human being, as a professional. Um, And for that, I'm eternally grateful. A part of what feels very authentic about our group is that I don't sense any level of comparison or competition. Everybody is so supportive and supported in exactly where they're at and celebrated for that. 
These are the voices of real women in the Reclaiming Time studio, the group coaching program I run that guides career-driven women that own their own businesses from being people-pleasing, rule-following overachievers that secretly feel behind and know that they're capable of more to finally having the time and energy to get to what you care about without feeling pulled in 10 directions ever again. We use proven methods and sisterhood that gives you the resources, clarity, and confidence to have the best career relationships and health of your life. But I want to say this, if all the change that has happened during this time of COVID is on you like heat on a jalapeno, maybe we should talk for a moment. Because Reclaiming Time Studio was important before all these global shifts. It took real gumption to have clarity and boundaries and a solid professional plan that could evolve as quickly as our economy was. So now it takes like some next level ninja skills to have the time and energy and framework to get to what you care about so that you can both make progress and enjoy what's good in the present moment. So if you run your own business and you want to increase your earnings and your nourishment at the same time, or know a woman that does all while having more space in your days for what gives you life, then head on over to carlyfane.com to get the full scoop and apply. Doors open on August 10th and enrollment will close by August 21st. We only take 20 women because the secret to my professional success is that when others go big and wide and fancy, we go deep and intentional together. It was worth every dime I paid for it and it changed my life. For you, Farron, when you were in the, I'll use your word, the floundering phase, Mm -hmm. right? The essential floundering. What helped you stay the course? Like what helped you not say, okay, that's it. I'm going back. I'm going back to what I know. What helped you follow through on that? Such a good question because it's a really important one. I didn't walk a straight line. I definitely explored and listened to a variety of different opportunities that came my way that did not fall within the filter. And I remember thinking to myself, it's like the devil on my shoulder. The old way that I knew the corporate job, the safe corporate job was like the, it was feeling like the devil on my shoulder. Like I could easily just crawl back into it. And it was having the framework and the recognition that I had kind of like come to this understanding that I wasn't fulfilled with that path that kept me going. And I kept saying to myself, I know the outcome here. Like it might be an incredible opportunity but I know where this leads. I don't know where the other thing leads. I have a hypothesis. I have a hypothesis that I can create value for founders by building a business around their unique needs for building brands. I had a hypothesis that I could create a culture that fueled me and fueled my team and left room for being human and mobile, um, which is what we talk a lot about at Fahrenheit. I had a hypothesis that I would be happier without that four wall, nine to five framework. I had a hypothesis that I wanted to lead and I didn't know where that path would take me. So I think how I held on was by trusting my instinct and trusting my gut and knowing that at the end of the day, I had done the thinking, right? Like I had thought through what got me to the point to say, it's time to take a leap. 
But then holding on to that leap was really my gut. And knowing that despite the really like shiny objects that were being thrown at me, that there was something in my stomach really like telling me to to just hold on. It's kind of like the alchemist, you know, like, oh God, I love the alchemist. It's kind yeah. of like any, yeah. I think any great journey <laughs> where you are, you, you hear these incredible stories of like founders who had 100 no's before they got their one yes. And you think about how did they persevere? And I think it's really that it's the mind and the body. I honestly believe that. It's about having the inputs, the decision-making, the non-negotiables, the clarity of the idea of who you want to be or what you want to accomplish, and then having that like gut and heart to stick with it. And I think for me, I have never truly been more happy and successful in my work. And yet it's not the the fanciest job that I've ever had in the public eye. It's not recognition or external validation. It's the internal validation. It's the relationships. It's the community that we're building. And I think it's the fun that I'm having, really being able to make my own rules. And I think that that is what for me, I saw I could accomplish and just had to, I just knew that I had to go for it. Your phrase, the internal validation, really stands out to me, right? Because I think we've been taught, certainly as women, but but really all of us, to be seeking external validation, that that is the goal. When you look this way, or you make this much, or you have this title, or you live in this place, or you marry this person, or whatever, then, you know, you've earned your, you've earned your right, or you've got this many followers, or whatever it is, and now you're good enough, whatever that means, right? And this idea that you are self-sourcing some of the information that you're using, and that your validation is from an inside out, and it's fascinating how, you know, in my experience, and I'd be curious for those listening, how the things that felt really important to me, once I was fulfilled, really like whittled down. I need so much less than I thought I did once I have what gives me life. It's like, I don't need to be on the private jet in the same way. I don't care if I'm on MTV this week or like, I don't like that. That stuff was never giving me life. It was all fun. It's all great. But but what was really like giving us life or what was allowing me to be in this game? And I so appreciate your phrase, this internal, internal validation. So now you're, you know, a little over a year into Fahrenheit. So here we are. What do you know now that maybe you didn't know a year ago? Like if you could somehow oh. like take yourself back in time and tell yourself some things, what's like one juicy lesson you've learned? They're like, oh, shucks, I wish I knew that part sooner. No question. The thing I wish I knew sooner was that if I went out into the world completely myself, completely authentically who I am, doing what I'm best at, doing what I'm passionate about, that I would be successful. And successful both emotionally, but also financially. Like if you had told me a few years ago, Farron, go out into the world and build a brand and you're going to build a successful business, I would have been like, what are you talking about? That's impossible. And I think that everyone has a different framework. We all come from a different contextual place right? So you have to to understand this. And we talk a lot about this on the Fahrenheit podcast is the context by which my career lived was in very successful, fast-paced, high-growth startups, reaching billion-dollar valuations with incredible founders. And that was my barometer for success. My twin sister is an incredible fashion editor. She's the director of accessories for Harper's Bazaar. And she has been in that career path for her whole life. And that to her, like that role, I mean, she probably would never admit this, but that is one of the best jobs that you can have in the fashion world. It's not, there's not much higher Mm -hmm. she can go as an editor. So that's the context that her career lives in, 
right? My career lives in this very fast-paced, high-valuation world of tech startups and consumer brands, and I felt like that was the precipice I had to get to in order for me to feel successful Mm -hmm. and fulfilled. And so I had these incredible standards that I had put on myself that were deafening. They were crippling. And I think that it was when I let go of the ego and I let go of all the shoulds. And I said, I just want to go have some fun. Like, I know what I love to do. I've now spent 15 years testing the waters in varying companies, cultures, categories. I'm just going to go out and do what feels good. If you had told me that would turn into financial success or that would turn into any success, I would have thought you were crazy. And so I think that's what I that's what I wish I knew. And that's what I wish a lot of people would know. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about in the very beginning, which is there's never been a better time to be yourself. There's never been a better time to sell who you are. Because I think where we're seeing the world go is that first, there is a lot of room for a lot of brands and a lot of businesses. I say this all the time when people talk about competition. It's like, there's room for everyone. The world is very big. You know, and there are lots of customers. So you're really trying to find that small pocket on this big marble that we're floating on on earth, right? Like you're finding, you're trying to find that small pocket of your tribe and they're out there. And the minute that you can start being authentically who you are is the minute you're going to start attracting it. And I think like when you're coming from a place for me of happiness, I'm also attracting abundance, which I think goes back to being successful, which God, who knew this would happen? <laughs> you know? So- you said a phrase that like you said it very quickly and then you kept on moving, but I've got to point it out because you just said like a game breaking phrase, which was emotional success, mm. emotional success. Oh, right? Yeah. And what would it look like for us to define our emotional success? Because I can so relate to this idea of having everything good on paper and looking around and saying, OK, but I'm not fulfilled. Right. And we certainly when I was in business school, we were not taught about emotional success. (laughs) It was all financial success. It was only financial success, maybe a little bit about successfully building a team, maybe a little bit about like a successful launch. But there was nothing to do with our emotional well-beings as if we're robots and we know that we're not. Right. And I think, you know, I wonder you through, you know, the lens of branding and marketing, how have you seen C19, you know, change the level of authenticity and vulnerability? Like, how are you seeing this show up right now? First of all, emotional intelligence is one of the most sought after competencies in the workplace that I could even imagine right now. And and in general, I think emotional competency, emotional intelligence is a critical need to be successful in today's landscape. I think not just because of C19, but I think in general, here at Fahrenheit, both on the internal hiring side and also on the client side, we ask a lot of emotionally driven questions. Do our oh, values- give me an example. Like, yeah, like what, what, what does that look like? Like when we look at a potential new client, we ask ourselves, do we think that we have the same values as they do? When COVID-19 hits, are we going to work well together because our values are aligned? I can tell you that going through the experience of navigating the coronavirus here in the U.S. with our clients was, of course, incredibly devastating and incredibly beautiful and moving at the same time because I feel like we were working with founders whose values matched our own and watching them and supporting them showing up in the world was such a remarkable journey. And I certainly know I learned a lot and I, as I am certain that my team and they did as well, but asking this question of like, 
do we have the same values? Do we share values? When things go wrong, how are they going to react and how are they going to respond? I have a zero tolerance policy for disrespect on my team. If a founder Mm. or a customer or anyone treats someone on my team with disrespect, there is no room for negotiation. I say a lot, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Like, I think it's really critically important how you show up in the world. And if you're passionate about the work you're doing, right? And if you are a founder building a company, you are 24 hours a day, seven days a week, probably for the first two years, like not eating, sleeping, or celebrating a birthday. And we're going to be on that journey with you, but we better have the same values. Like I will be on the phone with my founders at three in the morning, as long as they are aligned in a weird way, energetically, emotionally, even spiritually with what we are trying to accomplish out in the world. So I think that that's a new idea. Like my dad, I've spoken to my dad about this and he's like, that's sort of like a crazy concept, but it's logically does make sense because if you are more aligned and you have a matching set of values or ways of showing up in the world, or you believe in each other's cultures, how much more successful can the work become? Yes, you just articulated this so beautifully. And I've got to share my like messy way of looking no, at this. No, please. So maybe like five or six years ago. So when, so when I first made this transition to to start working with everyday rock stars, right? With folks who are running their own businesses. Initially, You're it was, an everyday well, rock I'm, star. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we both are. And, um, initially, you know, my mindset was, well, I got to take every client who comes my way because I got to make money. Like, that's just oh, the way it is, right? Of course. And there was there was a little bit of truth in that, but that was really about fear, right? Like the fear was, because if I don't, then I won't make enough money. And so I would, I would take anybody who signed up for a session. And I started to notice there were just certain people I would dread their sessions. And sometimes they were lovely, nice people, but there was something that was out of out of sync. And so I got a piece of paper. And I stuck it on my desk and I wrote down what I value when I was doing initial consults with people. And it was simple things like leaning towards joy, <laughs> authenticity, playfulness, having overcome hard things before, wanting to make the world better than it is right now, like really simple things. And I had to stick it right next to my computer when I was doing initial consults so that like I would remember, wait a minute, is this person meeting these criteria? And even if they're lovely and even if they want to pay me full price, what might happen if I referred them to somebody else, you know, or politely declined, what could happen? And I got to say, overnight, we began to make more money. Like, And that felt, you know, maybe it's law of attraction. Maybe it's like, you know, the, the spiritual concept of, of there being plenty of abundance in the world. I think that's true. And also, it was about focus. It focused me in. So rather than trying to be everything to everybody, I got more focus, which brought me to, oh, I actually love working with women. Right now, like this period of my life, this is incredibly life-giving. And so I wasn't trying to appeal to everybody anymore. I was trying to focus in. So I'm curious for you, where does a person begin their branding journey? Like for somebody who's listening in, like what's the, what's the first step in beginning to consider their own brand? Maybe it's an individual or maybe, maybe it's a business. The first thing that you can do to build your brand is just sit down and start writing. So often we'll get calls from founders who are just starting the journey of being an entrepreneur. They'll have very little resources and they'll call us wanting to hire us. And I will say to them, absolutely do not pay me because it is internal work that you need to do first. And certainly, listen, of course, I'm not speaking about incredibly large organizations or brands that have unlimited resources. By all means, you can call Fahrenheit and we will do your brand strategy for you. But I think if you're an individual and you're just starting out and you're trying to think about how do I market my business, right? The core of what we're talking about here, I think the first step is sit down and just write who you are. Who are you? Why do you exist? 
what do you want to bring to the world, which is your product? What do you value most? Really simple questions and honestly, go back to them. Like take the pressure off that you're going to have all the answers and write them, leave for a little, come back a few days later, check them again, do it a few times until you look at this piece of paper and you're like, huh, okay, interesting. I remember when, um, I believe it was Airbnb, their like one page brand strategy leaked on the internet. And it was just that. It was one page. It was one <laughs> single page that defined exactly who they were and exactly what they offered and why they existed in the world. Mm. So I would say if you're looking to build your brand, start with laying a foundation. And what's really interesting is there's marketing, okay? So marketing is what I believe marketing is, is the vehicles by which we communicate said brand. So you right. have these vehicles, right? Your vehicles can range from organic, which are free channels, right? They're just your time or your own efforts, paid channels, social, press, influencers, advertising, event marketing. There's tons of different vehicles by which you can communicate your message. But before you can communicate a message or before you can invest in the vehicles, it's like build the car. And I think building the car <laughs> yeah. really starts by just sitting down and asking yourself tough questions. And actually, if you don't want to do it by yourself, grab a friend or a colleague and have them be a foil for you in being like, like, do you agree with this? Do you not agree with this? Like, let's debate. Who am I? Like, what exists? And if you're an entrepreneur who is selling like a service as yourself, then it's really just no different than like who you are. And be don't be afraid to be authentic. I mean, what I love about you, Carly, and the ma messy and magnificent concept is like, you're like, I'm creating a space to be messy. Like I'm creating a space for that reality and that authenticity. And that is why people like me and whoever else is listening love you and want to listen to you and want to want to hear what you have to say because you are uniquely you. And I think that that is like the secret to brand building. The secret to brand building is don't be afraid to show up in the world as who you are, uh, despite the lines. Actually, a really great thing to think about is some of our favorite brands in the world, what box did they defy? So like sweet green oh, is a really- wow. Wow, sweet, wow, wow. Sweet green yeah. is a really great example. Like they defy every single box of a healthy restaurant or a salad restaurant, right? If you want to get like really right. down and dirty with it. Like no one ever thought salad could be so sexy. They mm. defied all the rules of healthy food. You walked into a sweet green and I remember the first time I walked into the sweet green in New York and like Jay-Z was playing on the on the speakers and there was an energy and a vibe. And I was like, where am I? Like, I, you know, and I think they did what the founders built, something that is so authentically who they are. And therefore they attract customers who are like them. And then the brand becomes what the customers want because inherently they've attracted in the world people who are in their tribe. And that's really where okay. brand building becomes... This is amazing. And everything you're sharing, you and I have talked about our love for Brene Brown, right? Oh. And everything you're sharing reminds me of, of Brene's research around, around belonging versus fitting in, right? So mm. fitting in is, you know, dressing the same, acting the same, wearing the same clothes, having the same thoughts, watching the same movies, whatever, as everybody else. For this idea that we want human connection, like we, it matters to us that other humans mm. connect with us. But all the research indicates that, that that is the antithesis of what gives us the basic human need for belonging. 
that belonging happens through vulnerability. And when you talk about the best brands are the one who look at the box and then say, how can I intentionally be outside of this? To me, that, that speaks to how can I consciously not fit in? How can, And I don't think up until this moment in history that women have had a space to say, I don't want to fit in. Like our mother's generation and certainly our grandmother's generation, if they had the blessing of having a job at all, they were going to have to do it like a man did it or they weren't going to have the right to be at the table. And here we are saying, okay, some of us have gotten into the boardroom, but now I don't want to behave like anybody else. I want to behave like myself. And the way you at Fahrenheit have created this way to let ourselves out of the box, we were never meant to fit. Our current corporate culture cannot contain the expansiveness of a full woman. Like no. it wasn't made. <laughs> it cannot. <laughs> it wasn't made for that. No. And so like, here we are breaking this one size fits all. And so like, for everybody who's out there who's considering, you know, what it would look like to be outside of the box, if you're feeling vulnerable, you're probably doing it right. Oh, for sure. Right? I mean, I'm still yeah. vulnerable every day. And half of the days I wake up being like, do I have a clue what I'm doing? I mean, I think that's like another whole piece of the puzzle is being afraid that we aren't worthy or qualified, you know, that, that fraud sort of syndrome mentality. But there is no right or wrong. And there is no clear path. Like, everyone is unique. And therefore, their journey will be unique. What is best for them will be unique. What they bring to the world will be unique. And actually, I think the minute that you can stop looking around you for the answers and just looking inside of you for the answers is the minute that you will begin to, to find that fulfillment or happiness. And what I want to say is like, it is not always on or always perfect. You know, we talked before about emotional, um, what did, what did I call it? We called before about oh, emotional, emotional success. Emotional it's so funny success. how our most brilliant words we forget. You said emotional right. success. Okay. It was so amazing. Emotional, <laughs> right. So we talked the other day about emotional success and in full vulnerability, I'm currently in a, a state of abundant emotional success in my career and not as abundant in my personal life. And that is okay. And there are going to be those shifts. If we didn't shift, if we didn't change, it would mean we're not growing. And mark my words, for many of us successful type A, you know, expansive women out there, the minute you get to the place of feeling fulfilled or success is probably when that little thing inside you is like, I'm ready for more. So all of a sudden there's exactly. like- Exactly, the inertia, bar's always moving. Right, so all of a sudden <laughs> the there's like inertia propelling you to a new place. So I think that the reality is, is like, it's not that I am sitting here speaking from a place of having all the answers, but I do think I'm sitting here speaking from a place of having a framework that helps to seek and find those answers and that has really worked for me and that I really believe works for me professionally, personally, as a brand builder and for our clients. And I think part of it's that I spent my career building brands. I spent my career, I mean, I've probably at this point built 40 plus brands in some capacity or been a part of one or another. And in all those meetings, we sit down and we ask these really clear questions. What is my strategy? What is my mission? What is my vision? What do I want to be known for in 10 years? Like, I never really sat down and asked myself, what do I want to be known for in 10 years? But I do it every day for my brands. What is more important? (laughs) What is more important than seeking that clarity for myself? So I do think that, you know, you said it really beautifully, which is defying the box is less about saying, I want to be different. 
And for the sake of being different, I'm going to go out and try and like not do what everyone else does. It's more about giving yourself the space to say, I'm going to be myself and the world's going to like it. And I'm going to give myself as much time as I need to to figure out what that means. Because yeah. I think for a lot of us, right, we haven't had an opportunity to even figure out what fuels us, what oh, gives it's us an life, ongoing what, journey. who we really want to be, right? So yeah. like, you know, the, the wiggle room, depending where you are in your journey, of of it takes time to do that and to and to hold our career in such positive regard that we would honor our own values first, right, as a pillar. Okay, so I want to talk to you forever. With with that in mind, I'm aware of the clock. So if you're game, are you yeah. are you down for doing the, the two the two way Q and A? Lay it we... on me. All right. So question number one, and of course I put it like way at the bottom, so now I don't I have not memorized these yet. Okay. So question number one, Farron, if you came with a warning label, what might it read? Complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know what? I'm going to rephrase that as complex. 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 Yeah. She's all the things, people. And that's part of what makes her so powerful. You know, when you talk, it's not about being any one type or doing any one thing. It's you have figured out a way as you've left the confines of the box to be all of it. And that's beautiful to witness. And I appreciate that. So what's one thing that even if other people disagree, you know to be true? That passion is one of the most important and critical pieces to a happy life. Oh, thank you for that. Mm. So now, so this is the two-way Q&A part Mm. where we want to bring those of you who are listening into the conversation. Farron, what's one question based on everything we've just talked about that you would love to pose to the audience here? I would love to hear from the audience and you guys, Carly, will tell you where to find me because I want to get in on this conversation, but I would love to know what is stopping you or your brand from being you? Oh, all right. I'm going to repeat that because that's good. Yeah. What is stopping you or your brand from being you? I will absolutely. I'm going to put links. What's your Instagram title again? You can Farron? find us at Fahrenheit and you can find me at Jets at Farron. And we'll give you guys all the spellings because, you know, my dad was Yeah. And this, all this is in the show notes. So, yeah. We've got, we've got the links in the show notes. Make sure that you tag me and you tag Farron when you post this so we can keep this conversation going. Definitely. Thank you for your presence, for your authenticity, and for your framework about tapping into our values. I appreciate you so much. You too. You too. Well, there'll be like a part three and four at some point in the future. Please. I just know it. Please, please, please. Yeah. yeah let us know. If you listen to Farron, okay, what should we bring her back for? What's the next oh, subject great idea. that we need to go deeper into? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much Thank for having Farron. me. My, oh my, who else out there is like me? And you're adding the word emotional success to your personal vocabulary. I love that. So for real, Farron and I want to know what is standing between you and what you really value and what you really want to be doing. Keep the conversation going with a comment over on iTunes or on our social media feeds. All of Farron's contact info is here in the show notes. Make sure you tag her so we can keep this conversation going. Remember, You thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value, including yourself, and I will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. 
So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.